What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Nittany Lions, your Penn State podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Monday, May 18th, 2020. We're beginning yet another week as we continue to go through life without sports. Except the good news is sports are starting to come back a little bit. Of course, we're still a long ways away from getting to college football season. But of course, we will talk about that once again in today's episode. We also have a lot of catching up to do on some more national storylines and see how it impacts Penn State. So a lot of stuff to get into in today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Make sure you never miss a single episode by subscribing to this podcast on all of your favorite podcasting apps such as iTunes and Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, whatever you use to listen to podcasts, subscribe, rate, and review. Not only do we appreciate the feedback, we want to hear what you guys have to say about the show and what we can do to improve it moving forward, but it also does help with the placement on those various podcasting apps as we continue to try and grow this podcast moving forward. We also always invite you to be a part of the show by submitting your questions and comments for inclusion in an upcoming episode. The best way to do that is to follow us on Twitter and interact with us there at Locked On Nittany. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Locked On Nittany. And we are on Instagram at instagram.com slash Locked On Nittany. So with all that out of the way, guys, let's go ahead and get today's episode underway. Well, last week turned out to be pretty crazy for me. A lot of long days with the day job, a lot of early hours, not a lot of sleep for me. Unfortunately, that meant that podcasting was a little bit on the back burner, but we're going to get back into the swing of things this week as we head you into the upcoming holiday weekend. I know for a lot of people, it's still kind of uh, staying close to home. Maybe you're not getting out quite as much as you would like to be right now. Whatever the case may be, we do have a holiday weekend coming up, so I do hope that it sees you all well, healthy, and ready to just kind of enjoy what whatever life may bring you this upcoming weekend. But before we get there, we have a lot of content to get caught up on and a lot of content to bring to the table as the week unfolds. Now, I wanted to start today's episode by just touching on a couple of headlines from outside of the world of Penn State, but sort of related to Penn State in some sort of way. Just to kind of share some quick and general thoughts. I'm going to stay right here in the Big Ten East Division where Maryland uh, continues to be putting together some interesting uh, pieces with their roster. Mike Loxley, I think, uh, was heralded as some guy who was going to kind of reinvigorate the enthusiasm about Maryland football. He certainly has got a lot of connections. And I think through what they're doing with the transfer portal and some of the efforts that they're making in recruiting, they're starting to put together a reputable roster, I think, in the years to come. And that's why I've always said that you know, Maryland's not necessarily going to be a threat in the Big Ten East, at least as far as the division championship is concerned. But they're going to be a team that not a lot of people are going to want to play. The latest addition to that Maryland program is going to be Tango Viola. Not Tua, but of course, his younger brother, Talia, who is transferring from Alabama to Maryland. He spent a week in the transfer portal, and he's now going to be reunited with the former Alabama offense coordinator, uh, Mike Loxley. So I think from the start of when Tango Viola entered the transfer portal, shortly after his brother was drafted in the first round by the Miami Dolphins, a lot of people expected that you know, Alabama, his time at Alabama had come and gone. Uh, despite 
uh, how much potential he could have had at Alabama to continue that Tongo Viola legacy with the Crimson Tide. I think it does make sense you know, from his point of view to go out and be his own player, be his own Tongo Viola uh, with another program. That's not to say that you know playing at Alabama would have been a devastating thing for him to move, do moving forward. But certainly, I feel like you can understand where he may be coming from. And again, I don't know all the information of why he decided to leave Alabama, but I think getting a chance to go to a program like Maryland could do Tonga Lola some pretty good uh, fortunes in the, down the road. Because I do think, like Mike Loxley, uh, as the, the head coach there, I do think that there's going to be uh, a good connection there. And certainly, that's good for Mike Loxley to have a quarterback he's going to be familiar with from an early set. So... Of course, he is going to have to sit out the 2020 season, so he will not be playing against the Nittany Lions this upcoming year in division play, unless there's any changes to the transfer process between now and then. I still don't think we're quite ready to uh, be at the page where the NCAA is going to allow for those free transfers uh, immediately. So unless anything changes, he is going to have to sit out the one year as a transfer from one FBS program to another FBS program. He would be eligible beginning in 2021. So we'll keep an eye on him down the road. In the meantime, Maryland is still very likely to go with uh, the former Virginia Tech quarterback, Josh Jackson, who is very likely going to be the starter for Maryland this upcoming season. Again, Maryland is not going to be a team that really makes a serious threat for the division, but they could very well be a team that you don't want to play. And I think Penn State certainly knows that they have had the upper hand on Maryland, but it's not a game or a team that I think you want to take too lightly when it comes around this upcoming season. One of the more off-the-beat uh, developments over the weekend was the fact that uh, Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney has announced to the world that he is now officially on TikTok, and he did it in the most cringy of ways you could imagine, as you would probably imagine Dabo Sweeney would do. I had a nice little rap announcing it. He is now officially on TikTok. Now, I'm going to say right now, I'm not going to follow him on TikTok. I have no interest in joining TikTok, to be honest with you, and I'm perfectly fine with that. <laughs> I will see my share of TikTok videos because they will make their way over to, into my Twitter feed and maybe my Facebook stream as well. And I will admit, I will enjoy every now and then uh, a good TikTok video. There's there's some good content out there, some really uh, creative people and mindsets that are out there creating content. And you get a good laugh every now and then. Now, I I have to imagine that Dabo Sweeney is fully aware of the impact that TikTok has right now, the kind of reach that it has, especially with the younger community. And to his credit, I think it is a good move for any college football coach to get involved on that kind of social media platform. Now, we've already seen, certainly during this coronavirus pandemic, uh, shutting down the world of sports, we've seen college football programs and other sporting uh, organizations get involved with one of the fastest growing social media platforms there is right now, which is TikTok. And to their credit, I think that that is a really good move. I think it's always wise to be as connected as possible with all these different social media platforms that all the kids are using these days, as they say. And I don't think there's any backside to this or the downside to this, I should say. So I commend Dabo Sweeney for exploring and jumping in with the world of TikTok. Now, are we going to see James Franklin get involved with that? I, I don't know, but I wouldn't say it's completely off the table. I do think that it would make sense for Penn State to be involved in some way on that TikTok platform. If they're not already, I'll be honest with you. I'm not really sure off the top of my head if Penn State has done anything on TikTok. If you have seen anything, please let me know. I would love to be able to get informed on that myself. Uh, obviously, they're very uh, heavy on Twitter and Facebook, so 
I do an Instagram, but I don't know if they have done anything on TikTok. Now, maybe, maybe some players have. I, I should say that that's very well a possibility that I haven't really explored myself. But I would not be stunned if we see James Franklin join the world TikTok. I, I think Dabo Sweeney is just the, the perfect kind of mindset to be able to embrace that kind of medium and have some fun with that. So uh, I'll be very curious to see what kind of impact it has. Certainly Clemson continues to be uh, recruiting at a very high level. Obviously they win a lot of games. They're a national title contender year in and year out for the last handful of seasons. Will be once again this year. It's not as though Clemson needs any help on the recruiting trail, but I will say time and time again that it is a wise move for any coach, coaching staff, football program to be as connected as possible in as many ways as possible. And getting involved on TikTok is certainly one way to do that. Uh, you see what Clemson has done in building their program and energizing their program and making established connections uh, through a variety of ways. You got to hand it to Dabo Swinney. I mean, he may cause you to roll your eyes every now and then every time he opens his mouth, but he knows what he's doing. And there's always a strategy behind every what every successful head coach is doing. Dabo Swinney is certainly a successful head coach. I think that James Franklin is a successful head coach as well. Obviously, not on the same level as Dabo Swinney and Nick Saban, but I do think that James Franklin is certainly one of those coaches out there who would be willing to embrace some new mediums if it helps his program grow in the future. I think Penn State has done a pretty good job of that over the years since James Franklin has been hired. I would be very curious to see if we ever see James Franklin or any other member of the coaching staff join TikTok. We have a lot more content to get into in today's episode, but before I move on, I want to make sure I let you guys know about Built Bar. Now, as you've been listening to these podcasts, you know that Built Bar is sponsoring our show all month long. Couldn't be happier about that result. And I have to say, the variety pack that they sent me has had a lot of really enjoyable flavors. These are protein bars covered in chocolate. It tastes so smooth and chewy. It's a delicious treat. It has really helped me get through the hours from my morning start time to the lunchtime with my breaks in the middle of the morning. The Built Bar has been a perfect complement to my routine and it has really helped kind of hold me over until I get to lunchtime. But I have to say the orange cream flavor that I sunk my teeth into the other day was simply the most delightful experience I've had since checking out all the different flavors that were made available to me in a variety pack that they sent me. The good news is you can go to BuiltBar.com and you can order your own boxes. You can put all the different flavors that you want. You can pick and choose every flavor that you want to add into your box or you can just all load up on one single flavor you can do whatever you want with this and i'm going to give you ten dollars off all you have to do is use the promo code locked on you get ten dollars off your order so go to builtbar.com use promo code locked on you'll get ten dollars off your first order again use the promo code locked on for ten dollars off at builtbar.com and you definitely want to make sure you check out that orange cream flavor built bar because it is simply fantastic going to have some fun this week on the podcast by exploring an alternative history for the course of Penn State football. It's our what if series. Now, every time the question of what if has come up in the course of college football, one of the things I always come back to is what would have happened if Penn State never joined the Big Ten? What if they stayed independent back in 1993 instead of playing their first Big Ten football season? Would things have been different today? Where would Penn State be today? Would they still be in the Big Ten? Would they be in the ACC? Would they be in some other conference that we don't really know would exist? Would they be in the American Athletic Conference, for all we know? And the basic thing I always come back to suggesting is there's still probably a pretty decent chance Penn State would be in the Big Ten today if they had remained independent back 
in the early 90s. Now, of course, as you know, Penn State wanted to kind of spearhead the formation of an all-Eastern conference of football with teams like Pittsburgh and Temple and uh, Boston College, Syracuse. And these schools all kind of got together later on and decided they were going to form that conference that Joe Paterno sort of envisioned, and they decided to do so without Penn State. So kind of uh, there were some turbulent feelings and mixed emotions throughout the region, of course. Of course, Penn State remained independent while the Big East was formed for football. So Penn State eventually went on to accept an invitation to the Big Ten and played their first season of Big Ten football as the 11th member of the conference back in 1993. Now we know what has happened for Penn State in the Big Ten since those days. And obviously, sitting here today, I can say definitively that being a part of the Big Ten is certainly a decision that was well worth it for Penn State. A lot of revenue generated, a lot of good associations academically, uh, a lot of good connections have been made. And I don't think it would be uh, smart to suggest that it was a mistake for Penn State to join the Big Ten. Now, a lot of people say that they would like to have seen Penn State more in the ACC. Certainly, if uh, Penn State were to join a conference back in 1992, 1993, uh, being a part of the Big East would probably would have been more ideal to a lot of fans because they would have had a chance to continue playing Pittsburgh every year. They would have been playing teams like Miami and Boston College, Syracuse, you know, teams that were more regional rivals, regional foes, uh, teams that probably had more connections with Penn State uh, as far as geography is concerned. And that certainly would have made a lot more sense to be a part of the Big uh, the Big East back in the day. But obviously, uh, if, if Penn State had joined the Big East, I do wonder where that conference would be today. I do wonder if maybe the Big East would have survived. Maybe the Big East would have been able to hold things together by, by keeping Penn State and Miami and Virginia Tech all part of the same conference. West Virginia as well. Those are That would be a pretty good lineup. But of course, as time has gone on, maybe the Big East would have been able to survive things the way that they weren't able to with the realignment changes. And I think having Penn State a part of that would have certainly strengthened the Big East's chances to generate more revenue and maybe keep a little bit more happiness and calmness throughout the conference. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Penn State would have been the cure-all for the Big East. I don't think that that would have been the case at all. Because I still do think eventually at some point the ACC would have come calling for schools like Miami and they would have wanted to find some other school to latch onto that. So would it have been Penn State? Because as you know, the ACC first started raiding the Big East by taking Miami and Virginia Tech. Boston College followed, I think, a year or two later. So would Penn State have been the second team involved in that first ACC invitation from the Big East? I tend to think yes. The answer would be yes. And I do wonder how things could have happened uh, throughout history if that had been the case. Because... Uh, certainly Virginia Tech has a lot of good qualities. I'm not going to say anything otherwise, but if the move from the ACC was to strengthen their football product at the time, yes, Virginia Tech was a very good addition, especially at the time that they invited them from the Big East and they made the transition over to the ACC. Virginia Tech's transition from the Big East to the ACC had been much more successful than Miami's back at the time when it first happened. And you know, maybe even to this day, Virginia Tech's uh, inclusion in the ACC has been much more successful on the football point than Miami's. And I don't think there's really much question about that. But would Penn State have been able to satisfy that football uh, desire for uh, the ACC? 
I tend to think yes, because remember, at the around the same time that Miami and Virginia Tech were invited to the the big, uh, I'm sorry, the ACC. Now, Penn State may not have been the world beater, but they were certainly a brand name. There's certainly plenty of recognition, name recognition. And at the time, Penn State was still a, a marketable program. Obviously, some up and down years, but I do think overall, in the grand scheme of things, I think it would have been a good move for the ACC to invite Penn State out of the Big East if that were to be an option. And maybe even if the ACC went with uh, uh, Miami and Virginia Tech first, Maybe Penn State gets invited in the second wave with Boston College or instead of Boston College. Or how about this? Maybe even Penn State joins the ACC and Pittsburgh is left behind in the Big East because they would have already had their Pennsylvania uh, footprint by adding Penn State ahead of Pittsburgh. And certainly from a football point of view, that would have been a much more logical move for the ACC to make. And I do wonder the alternative history that could have been, you know, Penn State in the ACC, Pittsburgh still in the American Athletic Conference to this day, or maybe Pittsburgh joins the Big Ten because maybe the Big Ten still wants to get into that eastern coast. Uh, You know, certainly uh, Rutgers and Maryland were on the table, but maybe Pittsburgh ends up in the Big Ten. So how about that? Just think about that. The Big Ten never invited Penn State or Penn State didn't invite uh, accept an invitation to the Big Ten and remained independent. Maybe Penn State is in the ACC today. Maybe Pittsburgh is playing in the Big Ten East. Maybe Rutgers is in the American Athletic Conference to this day. You just never know. And that's why it's, it's fun to speculate about what could have happened, what would have happened. I tend to think that maybe Penn State still ends up in the Big Ten because I do think that there would be a lot more uh, opportunity for some revenue. And I think that certainly it would uh, be a much bigger Eastern presence for the Big Ten to add Penn State over Rutgers from the American Athletic Conference. And they certainly added a team from the ACC with Maryland. The big question would be, you know, what kind of TV market would Penn State have added to the table, which is a big reason why Maryland and Rutgers were invited to the Big Ten anyway. I don't know about the TV market, but there's no question that Penn State draws ratings. So certainly from that point of view, there would have been a lot of upside for the Big Ten to invite Penn State eventually down the road anyway. So even if they didn't get the Penn State at the drawing table back in the early 90s, maybe they still would have eventually landed Penn State. Of course, the other thing is, if Big Ten doesn't have Penn State for all those years, do they still go to 11 teams? Do they still make a stronger case to bring in Notre Dame? What happens with the Big Ten expansion if they have to wait longer and longer to get a team like Penn State? Let me know what you guys think. What would have happened if Penn State remained independent in those earlier years and maybe down the line, where do you think Penn State would have eventually landed? Would they still be in the Big Ten today if you go through an alternate course of history? Or do you think that Penn State is competing in the ACC Coastal Division on a regular basis, maybe for a division championship? I want to hear from you guys. Let us know what you think about this what-if situation for Penn State by chiming in with us on Twitter, at LockedOnNittany. We definitely want to hear some of your what-if speculations. Maybe not necessarily about this, but what other what-if scenarios do you have in mind? We have a couple that we're going to get into later in the, on in the week. So make sure you come back throughout the week to hear some of these other uh, fun alternative uh, courses of history. Uh, but we want to hear from you guys as well. So send us your what if scenarios and how you envision things could have played out. Uh, let us know. Is there a certain play that you would like to have seen change? Is there a certain game or a certain season? Let us know what you got in mind and we'll see if we can bring it into the conversation as well. 
We all know that sports will eventually return. Fans will eventually return to the stands at some point in time, being able to jam the crowd as much as possible for those big game atmospheres that we've all come to know and love, especially around college football. Now, Penn State fans know that a whiteout game is going to be the marquee event of any season, usually against Ohio State or Michigan under the bright lights. And it makes for great television. And I think that's one of the big aspects that really helps college football be sold as a product, especially as far as TV is concerned, because there is such a wide variety of fan bases out there that it makes for a unique experience almost any given broadcast. Every fan base has their own traditions. Every fan base has their own identity. And not being able to showcase that is truly a shame. And it could very well be a possibility that at least when the season starts, there may be games played without fans. Now, just this weekend, we have seen a professional soccer return with no fans in the stands. NASCAR returned to the track, no fans in the stands. And while some of those sports may not be ultimately uh, altered or dramatically impacted by not having fans in the stands as far as a television product is concerned, it would be truly devastating to have a television broadcast of a football game or especially a big football game, without any fans in the stands because that is part of the experience. Even through TV, you want to hear the crowd noise. You want to hear uh, the fans reacting in the heat of the moment, positive or negative. Uh, you want to see the, the home fans intimidate the visiting team so much that they are forced to call a timeout. That's part of what makes sports special, especially football, especially college football. Now, of course, if there are games to be played without fans in the stands, TV networks are going to have some decisions to be made about how they broadcast their games. I'm of the belief that you don't need to change too much about how you broadcast any sporting event, whether it's baseball, basketball, or football. I think you can go about your normal way of broadcasting the game, not worry about any differences that need to be made, any tweaks that need to be made. Obviously, you're going to have fewer crowd shots, and quite honestly, I'm perfectly fine with that. I don't need the crowd shots. I don't need that in my sports broadcast, but that's just me. Maybe you like that kind of stuff, and if you do, hey, more power to you. But one of the ideas that's being thrown around potentially by Fox is to inject artificial crowd noise into the broadcast so that viewers at home can still watch a game and hear a crowd reaction. I got to say, I think that that is an absolutely horrendous idea. It would add no value to my television experience watching the game. I'm still going to react to the good moments and bad moments of a game just as I would with crowd noise or without crowd noise. So that means absolutely zilch to me. And I'm surprised that it's gaining as much traction as it really has. Maybe it'll ultimately be something that's just thrown off to the side and just forgotten about. And this is just kind of spitballing different ideas to kind of see how people are reacting to different ideas and possible innovations and adjustments to the broadcasting game. But I got to say, this would add almost nothing to my broadcast experience as a viewer. Uh, and in, first, in fact, it would probably take away from it, to be honest with you, because first of all, you're going to have somebody uh, controlling crowd noise. Does that mean you're going to have somebody controlling how the crowd is reacting? Are you going to increase the volume of the crowd noise? Are you going to hit a boo button? Are you going to hit a cheer button so that you have live instantaneous reactions to fans? Are you going to be taking recordings of fans submitting videos uh, on their their phones and uh, having them injected into the game uh, telecast in some way? Similar to how the NFL draft went through uh, having fans react acting with the commissioner Roger Goodell on that screen uh, that was a ter terrible <laughs> execution I think it really added zero 
to the NFL draft experience as far as I was concerned. Obviously, it would be a little bit different if you have a crowd reacting to the game. But I'd be very curious to see how that's all going to play out. I don't think we need it. I don't think it's necessary. I think it would take away more from the broadcast and add anything to it. I don't really think that people are tuning in to see how the crowds are reacting. Honestly, I mean, we're, if we're having the games being played, however you're going to play them, I know baseball's uh, tossing around so many different ideas. You know, football probably is still going to stick to the same kind of regimen that they typically do for a game. Uh, bottom line is it all comes down to what plays are being called, how those plays are being made. And obviously you do lose something without having an actual home field advantage as far as crowd noise is concerned. And certainly that would be something that is taken away a lot from the college football experience because one of the things that really sells college football on TV is those big crowds for those big home games. Certainly at Penn State, you get a whiteout crowd for the Michigan or Ohio State game or a big non-conference game that's coming up in Beaver Stadium. Those shots overhead of Beaver Stadium with the stadium clad in white, it's pretty stunning. And there's a reason why the whiteout game is typically used for a national telecast on prime time every given year. Uh, so there's a there's a reason that's part of obviously the matchup aside with Penn State versus Michigan or Ohio State that's going to sell itself but being able to get those camera shots of the whiteout crowd that's something that is truly stunning and this happens for a number of different colleges so uh, not having that part of the broadcast it's it stings but trying to artificially impose a, a crowd into a broadcast just seems like a misguided attempt to try and make things as normal as possible. I don't think we need it. I think if the games are being played without fans, I think that's perfectly fine from a viewing standpoint. You're still going to be cheering at home uh, the same way you would be and reacting the same way you would be whether or not there are fans being shown on TV or not because ultimately it's about the plays that are being executed on the field and that's all you really care about. You don't care about how the crowd is reacting, right? You can go to Twitter and have that crowd on on, on your Twitter feed and show you just how they're reacting if you're very interested in that. Maybe some people will live stream their reactions to games. I'm sure we'll get plenty of that uh, this upcoming season if that ends up being the case. But I do think that, you know, it's an idea and I'll give Fox this. They are not afraid to be innovative. They're not they're not afraid to think outside the box. It's been their bread and butter since they started getting into sports broadcasting. Remember, they were the first ones when they started covering the NFL to put on the live scoreboard. So you always know what the score is, how much time is on the, the clock, and you know, I guess how many timeouts each team has. That was information that you had to stick around to broadcast for as many as a number of minutes or maybe a commercial break before you knew what the score was in a game. Now every team or every broadcast out there has a score bug that's always on there. And it's for all sports. And that all started with Fox's NFL coverage. Now, they've had some hits and misses over the years, of course, at Fox. And one of the biggest misses I think that Fox had was when they started covering the NHL and they had the glowing puck and the red streak once it went above 90 miles an hour or whatever it was. That was an idea that they scaled back and they ultimately put off to the side because they realized that while it may have been good for new hockey fans that are just getting into the game, it wasn't necessarily adding a whole lot to the broadcast. So, Fox will try some things. They will also abandon things that just aren't working. And I think artificial crowd noise would be one of those things that you can do away with. 
And I do look to see how the networks covered the XFL. Uh, rest in peace, XFL 2.0. <laughs> but I do think we will see some ideas from the XFL kind of carry over into how college football and NFL and maybe some other sports are broadcast in the future on networks like ESPN and Fox. Now, obviously, uh, from the professional sports and even college sports, you're going to have to get some people to agree to some of the ideas that the XFL had. But having more live microphones on maybe coaches, maybe some key players, I, I think has potential to be the replacement that you need to add to a broadcast that will be a way of filling the void that you don't get from live crowd reactions. I, I think that that would probably be the more um more likely way that TV broadcasts will go with adopting or adapting their their broadcast strategy in lieu of not having potential fans in the stands. And I think that that would add more to the broadcast. I think what the XFL did, especially with the instant replay, I think that that is really what viewers at home would be far more interested in seeing rather than crowd reaction shots. But let me know what you guys think. You know, of course, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. Would you care if a broadcast was injecting artificial crowd noise into their broadcast. Is that something you'd be interested in? Is that something you even care about? Did I just spend nine minutes talking about something that nobody cares about? Maybe I did, but if I did, that means that more people out there are on my side on this whole vantage point than the other way around. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Locked on Nittany Lions. It was good to be back on the saddle once again, talking some Penn State football, having some fun conversation with you guys, and hopefully you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure you are subscribed on all your favorite podcasting apps of choice. Don't forget to tell your home smart devices that you can play the Locked on Nittany Lions anytime on the Tuned In app. And don't forget to rate and review on whatever podcasting medium you prefer. We appreciate the feedback, and it does help with the show's growth and promotion on those various platforms moving forward. Of course, we also invite you to always submit your questions and comments at any time. We'll throw them into the mix as well. And the best way to do that is to follow us on Twitter and send us your messages and comments at LockedOnNittany. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. And give us a follow on Instagram at LockedOnNittany over on Instagram. Lots of other stuff is still in the works, so hang in there. we got some other ideas coming up your way. And we want to make sure you are staying connected to all the other options on the Locked On Podcast Network, including Locked On Big Ten for all things Big Ten sports-related, not just football, but those are covering everything around the Big Ten. Make sure you check out the Locked On Big Ten Podcast right now on the Locked On Podcast Network. Once again, I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. Check out my national college football coverage over on AthlonSports.com. I've got a few other things in the works as well, so make sure you stay tuned for all that good stuff coming your way very, very soon. Have a great day, guys. Let's get our week started off on the right foot. Go 1-0 today. Make sure you stay safe. Stay taking care of all of your family and friends as much as you possibly can. And we'll try to give you a little bit of a break from some of the realities out there in our next episode. So we'll have some fun coming up very soon. Thanks for listening today, guys. Have a great day. I'll talk to you again soon.